President Biden visiting each significant site from 9-11. Former President George W. Bush speaking at Shanksville, where Flight 93 crashed. It's the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks, but in many ways, it feels like it was yesterday. Across North America, memorials remembering the tragic events of that Tuesday, September 11th, 2001. New York City, where it happened, they commissioned a tribute in the light art collection, helping many to reflect on that day and its significance. President Joe Biden addressing his nation from Shanksville, the World Trade Center, and the Pentagon, hoping to unify a divided nation. George W. Bush, who was president at the time of the attacks, visits Shanksville, the place where the heroes of Flight 93 very likely stopped the White House or the Capitol from being a fourth hit. Remembering the past to shape our present, that's the Christian way, isn't it? Christ died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is a pretty solemn program called 9-11, 20 years later. I was on the 36th floor of Building 1. All of a sudden, it was like an earthquake. Two airplanes crashed into both 110-story towers of New York's World Trade Center after reportedly being hijacked. Just minutes after that attack, an explosion rocked the Pentagon here in Washington. When it hit, it created a huge smoke, not a fire. Huge ball, ball of fire came up over the building. When I saw those buildings collapse, I knew they were cops and firemen in there, and I just, uh, my heart just goes out to the families, and it's just a horrible, horrible tragedy. That montage brings to life the horrific events that happened on that day, 20 years ago this weekend. We now think about our world as a pre-9-11 world and a post-9-11 world. Where were you that morning? I was in Indiana. I was with a Christian radio station in Evansville. Within two hours after the second plane hit the second tower in New York City, We had a new program that aired that day to speak directly to those who were hurting. With a special program from Haven, I'm Charles Morris from WBGW in Evansville, Indiana. In a time like this, with what's happened in New York City and Washington, D.C., many are asking why. For the Christian, it's a time to remember God is our refuge. That's how our replacement program on 9-11 began. You can hear the seriousness, the tone of my voice. Hope was desperately needed that day 20 years back. Coming up, we're going to hear about a telephone call taken by a Verizon operator from a cell phone on United Flight 93. Todd Beamer. And we'll also talk to some others, not too far from where the towers fell. People sharing how Jesus walked with them on that dark day and with that thought in mind. I can't think of a better song to begin our time together than Christ our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong who holds our days within his hand what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end the love of Christ 
Shane and Shane, opening this haven today, Christ Our Hope in Life and Death, a program called 9-11, 20 years later. I'm Charles Morris. All this past week, we've been hearing about the story of United Flight 93 and Todd Beamer. His plane was hijacked. They knew on board what had happened in New York City at the World Trade Center. So Todd and a handful of others on that flight decided they must try to overtake the cockpit to stop another attack. Just before that moment, Todd got on the phone with operator Lisa Jefferson on his cell phone of a Verizon operator. He wasn't sure if he'd see his wife, Lisa, or their kids ever again. And the phone operator shared the story with CBS News just 10 days after the attack. When I took the call over, there was a soft-spoken, calm gentleman on the other end. He told me that there's three people that have taken over the flight. At that point, I asked him his name. He told me, Todd Beamer. He was from Cranberry, New Jersey. Did you make a conscious decision not to tell Todd about the World Trade Center? Why? Yes, Um, because I wanted him to have hope. I wanted him to think that he still had a chance. I didn't want him to feel like it was just totally hopeless, and he definitely didn't have a choice, and he knew he was going to die. I didn't want him to have that feeling. 
when he wanted to pray, was your sense then that that he knew that? Yes, I did. I felt that he knew at that time because he had said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said, Lisa, would you recite the Lord's Prayer with me? And I knew that he knew at that time that it wasn't much left for him to do. What do you think that um, this country needs to know about the men and women who were on board Flight 93? They're all heroes in my eyes. They really are. They all pitched together, and they did what they thought was the best thing to do at that time. And um, I feel that Todd played a great role in that because when he told the guys, are you ready, I assumed that they were waiting on his cue. Then they responded to him, and he said, okay, let's roll. Lisa Jefferson, sharing about the last moments of Todd Beamer's life. Those on United Flight 93 were true heroes. They gave their lives to protect the lives of others. And Lisa Beamer, Todd's wife, was not surprised. Todd was a leader. He was also a follower of Jesus. And he followed in his Savior's footsteps by laying his life down for the lives of others. Lisa writes about this incredible story in her book called Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage, and I'd like to send it to you for your gift to this ministry. As we pass over this milestone, take the time to remember the courage found on that day. I know you'll find the same courage today as we keep our eyes on Jesus, just like Todd did in his last moments of life. Our number to call after the program is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can make a gift on our website, but ask for the 20th anniversary edition of Let's Roll. Just go to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now let's go to New York City. For George Slay, it was another normal day as he traveled from New Jersey to the 91st floor of the North Tower in the World Trade Center. Even though he felt the first plane crash just above his office, he didn't yet know how bad it really was. Later, he would learn that no one made it out alive who was on floors 92 and up. He was one of the last to get out. George shared his story with me years ago. Well, there were, there were actually three stairwells uh, that we could use to, to evacuate the building, two of which were blocked, and the third one was blocked above us. But was uh, there was a small amount of debris on the, on the stairwell going down, but we moved that aside and we were able to process down there pretty quickly. It was well lit, it was dry, and um, there was no panic because no one ever thought those buildings would come down. Mm. So you found one of the stairwells that you and your coworkers decided you should get down and 91 stories and and uh, were you passing others uh, w- was there great fear no actually no everyone everyone seemed to be very calm a lot of people hadn't realized of course that it was a plane they just thought there was an explosion somewhere in the building mm. it got quite crowded uh, as we got further and further down of course yes. but again there was no rush everyone was just taking it out taking the, the time to to go down in an orderly manner you got to the bottom and uh, what happened you, there wasn't there more smoke in the air when I stepped out of the stairwell uh, at the bottom, um, I could see outside now for the first time and saw, saw the, the devastation that had occurred. All the um, marble facade of the lobby was on the floor. I could see outside for the first time, and I could just see piles of debris and uh, small fires burning. It just looked like a war zone. And, mm-hmm. I, of course, then I realized that this was far bigger than I had first anticipated. And I started to walk out uh, in the direction that I was uh, pointed out to go, and uh, there was a large explosion. And... Um, 
it was behind me and to my right, and as I, as I ran away from that direction, this blast just caught up with me. I was enveloped in a large, large cloud of dust and dirt, and um, I really thought that was the end of my life at that point. Mm. And again, for the second time that morning, I just called out to God for his help. Mm. It's still hard to talk about, isn't it, George? Well, you know, um, I've talked about it many, many times since then, So I, yes. um, but it's still there. I, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about it, and thank God that my life was spared. George Slay, sharing with us his experience of running down 91 flights of stairs at the World Trade Center. The explosion that he just told us about was the first tower crashing down. George was so thankful just to be alive. And you can imagine how his wife felt when he shared that good news and she found out he'd made it. Now, let's go to Callie Streza Lee. She was a student at New York University just next door to the World Trade Center. And she wrote in her journal about her experience on 9-11. I'd like you to hear some of that as she reads it to us. One Tuesday morning as I sat down to write in my journal with my mug of English breakfast, my apartment shook, uh, just a little to go along with the crash outside. My roommate said, that doesn't sound good. And I made a joke about coming to New York to get away from all the Californian earthquakes. We forgot about it instantly. After all, we're New Yorkers. Nothing phases us. The morning continued and I went downstairs, a couple minutes after nine, to go catch the subway, up from my financial district apartment to class at New York University in Greenwich Village. I walked out of the building, and in that piercing blue sky was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Thousands of papers caught in the breeze, like a parade's confetti. I turned the corner, and my last thought was that I would have to buy a pair of sunglasses, since mine were sitting on my desk. With that turn, Fulton Street looked like a parade route. People lined the streets, their eyes fixed upwards, as Tower One burned. Walking to the subway also meant walking closer to the towers. Everyone was asking questions. A few had answers that all proved to be incorrect. A helicopter had crashed. An explosion at the restaurant. A bomb. I walked closer and then I was running with thousands of my neighbors as a ball of flame flew in our direction. After a moment, when we realized we hadn't been consumed in a nuclear blast, I turned to look. I'd seen the fire fly out, heard the glass shatter, and thought even for a second that I was on a movie set. But I didn't expect to watch people fall and the fire grow stronger when I looked down that street. Everyone around me was shouting, Go home! Get out of here! And all I could think about was that my home was just around the corner. By the grace of God, I caught the last subway out, but as we streamed into the station, hundreds of people were about to see what had happened to their offices during their underground commute. I got to school, went to my first class, which was canceled a few minutes in. I ended up huddling in a dance studio, hearing jets buzz overhead, knowing that we were going to die. A couple hours later, we gathered the courage to go to a nearby apartment. As we prepared to leave the building, I asked if I could pray. No one objected. The next day, I met up with my roommates, and one girl's father took us to Cape Cod, where we were able to escape for a few days. Things will never be the same. I knew that when I turned that corner and saw the sky on fire. I can only rest knowing that no matter what happens, Jesus lives in New York, and that allows me to go back and to love that great city. Thanks, Callie, for sharing your story with us. I know it wasn't easy. You couldn't do it the first year or two after 9-11. Well, this is Haven Today in a program called 9-11, 20 years later. Dr. Reverend Stephen Coe, 
He was there. He saw it all happen firsthand. So I asked him what he will be preaching this weekend at his Christian Missionary Alliance Church in Lower Manhattan as they look back. Well, Charles, we've been preaching through the book of Nehemiah this year. And last weekend, we concluded on chapter 13. It's no coincidence that God ordained this passage for our church really on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And as I reflected on the words of the prophet Nehemiah, there are many parallels between the events in that book and those of 9-11. Both the temple and the Twin Towers were destroyed. The Israelites were called from the Babylonian exile to rebuild the house of God, while New Yorkers eventually returned to Lower Manhattan to construct the Freedom Tower. And though the temple was rebuilt and the Freedom Tower now stands, it was as easy for Israelites to forget God and fall into sin as it is for Americans today. You know, in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, the Israelites were called back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. It's a story about rebuilding the house of God, but more importantly about rebuilding the spiritual lives of the Jewish people that they would follow the laws of Yahweh while worshiping him in spirit and truth. But what we see at the end of Nehemiah chapter 13 is the Jewish people backsliding into sin, even though they have reconstructed the temple and its walls to worship God, the Israelites desecrate that very temple and defile worship on the Sabbath. In many ways, Nehemiah serves as a mirror to 9-11. After 20 years, it's not hard to forget what happened to many that day. It's even easier to fall back into selfishness, egocentricity, and pride. See, the tragedy of 9-11 arguably brought out the best of humanity. And over time, we have reverted back to many of our old ways, Charles. It's a cautionary tale of the power of sin. See, we're, we're still vulnerable, not just to the dangers of the physical world, whether in the United States or Afghanistan, and more importantly, to the spiritual realm. It's not necessarily what our physical eyes see, but what our spiritual eyes are missing. Hmm. Hmm. It's a reminder, Charles, of just how much we need Jesus each day. This is Haven Today, and a program called 9-11, 20 years later. 20 years ago this week, People were struggling with the enormity of what happened. And on that Friday after the Tuesday terror attacks, Billy Graham preached a memorial sermon at the National Cathedral in Washington. He preached a sermon many of us will never forget, and we aired part of his message on our program on Thursday. Pastors all over North America were searching and praying for words to share that weekend after. Many quoted from Billy's sermon. In Chicago, Ray Pritchard was pastoring a large church out in the suburbs. He shared five lessons to ponder that I want to share with you these 20 years later. The tragedy and stench of death was in the air. So many lives lost from the terror attacks, and he opened by saying, How long do you expect to live? Well, we're unsure. The truth is, we could die today or tomorrow. Five lessons to ponder. First, nothing in this world is secure, certain, or safe. This should be obvious to all of us. If the World Trade Center and the Pentagon weren't safe, 
where can we hide from trouble? Many of us have lived in a self-created bubble of false security where we could watch the troubles of the world while thinking, that could never happen to me. No one can say that anymore. Second, there will be no end of evil this side of heaven. Ray Pritchard said he was not a pessimist by any means, but he's a biblical realist. Ray told his congregation, although I'm not a prophet, I think there may be some difficult days ahead for all of us. His advice was simple. Buckle up. The road ahead is bound to be bumpy. We will not be delivered from evil until Jesus comes again. Third, God can bring beauty out of the ashes of tragedy. Now, that's the positive side of all that happened that week that we will never forget. Our God is so great that even a tragedy like that cannot foil his plan. We saw angels of mercy working around the clock, digging through the rubble, searching for survivors, treating the wounded, caring for the hurting, comforting the brokenhearted, donating blood, giving money, sending trucks filled with supplies to the disaster sites. There was a vast turning to the Lord, the likes of which we had not seen in many years. The terrorists struck a blow for evil, but that wasn't the end of the story. As the late Eugene Peterson paraphrased in the message, when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Fourth, to ponder. There are open hearts everywhere. Be bold. Now, this is a word of encouragement for Christians. Many of us have prayed for years for God to open hearts to the gospel. This tragedy changed everything. Just before 9-11, people were closed to wanting to talk about spiritual things. I was broadcasting from Chicago those days after the attacks. You could walk down the street, stop a stranger and say, let's pray, and they wouldn't laugh at you. Heads would bow in prayer with you, like the bellman in the hotel where Moody Radio managed to find me a room. We prayed. I shared Jesus with him. I doubt that would have happened before. Fifth, to ponder. If you follow Christ, you may not be safe, but your life will never be dull. That sentence summed up everything Ray Pritchard preached the following Sunday. If it's safety you want and a guarantee of earthly success, then you'll have to look somewhere else. But if you're willing to follow Jesus, you'll never be disappointed in him, and your life will never be the same, nor will it be boring. It's been really good for me to look back and remember the events that we now call 9-11. Not because I enjoy chaos and sadness, but because I'm so encouraged to hear how Jesus walked with so many in those dark days. And I know that if you take the time to read the special 20th anniversary release of the book, Let's Roll, Ordinary People, Extraordinary Courage by Lisa Beamer, you'll experience the same thing. Earlier, you heard how her husband Todd was on that United Flight 93 when terrorists took over the cockpit. Everybody on board knew what had happened by then in New York City and at the Pentagon and decided they wouldn't be a part of it. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of Christian heroes like Todd Beamer, how the Lord was with him even at the end of his life. I know you'll find great hope as you read about that life that was given that day for the lives of others. 
So for your gift this weekend to this listener-supported ministry on this 20th anniversary, I want to send you Let's Roll by Lisa Beamer. The number you can call, and do call us right now. Don't delay. It's 800 654 2836-800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Read more about Let's Roll. Listen to our extended 9-11 podcast on our Great Stories podcast, and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And don't forget, if you were listening to us last week and still want a copy of the book Warriors of the Word, the Bible Memorization Battle Guide, for winning spiritual victories. We still have copies for your gift to the ministry. It's a very helpful book to help you, your friends, your family, your church hide God's Word in your heart. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again, won't you, next time when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you've ever watched a farmer plow a field, you'll know that it's counterintuitive. The more he focuses on the ground right in front of him, the more his plow goes crooked. The secret to perfectly straight rows is to focus on a point far in the distance. So when Hebrews 12 tells us to run the race set before us, how can we run straight? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author of our faith. The more we focus on the sin that easily besets us, or our circumstances, the more crooked our path becomes. Fix your gaze on Christ and run to Him with all your might. By His Spirit, you will run straight into His arms. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.